0: Hello, hello, and welcome to My Tennis Journey, where we aim to bring compelling tennis stories to life. As you're listening today, it'd be amazing if you could hit subscribe or follow. It's free, you know. So the subject of tennis parenting is one I'm increasingly passionate about trying to kind of help out with, I guess. Um, And that's been really driven by the behaviours that I've seen at junior tennis tournaments and by wanting to do the best as I can as a tennis parent. So it is great, actually, that this uh, October 2022 is the LTA's Parents in Tennis Month. And it it kind of really chimes with me because we've had three episodes where we've covered tips for tennis parents and I'm excited today to make it a fourth and then... Today's guest really makes a positive contribution to helping tennis parents on a daily basis as the driving force behind the ever so ace tennis parents community group on Facebook. So for starters for tennis if you're a tennis parent and you haven't yet joined the tennis parents community group on Facebook then I highly recommend doing so because as you'll see the topics are the ones that go through your own mind. You'll see what I mean if you have a look. Now, our guest today is Kay Gilbert. Um, Kay has banked a wealth of knowledge as a tennis parent in her own right, and is now banking a whole lot more in her role with the Tennis Parents Community Facebook group. So I'm very excited to hear Kay's five top tips for tennis parents. Welcome to the show, Kay Gilbert.
1: Oh, thanks, Rob. That's that's really really nice intro, and, and I really appreciate you asking me to come on the podcast. And um, I, I just love the show, especially all the energy, enthusiasm, and positivity that you bring to everything to do with tennis. To be honest, and um, I've been really looking forward to having a chat with you. But I'm a bit worried my derby accent's going to come out, so nobody'll recognise me locally.
0: <laughs> love the derby accent. That's it. The derby accent. Come on, two derby folk on there, I'm giving it some brilliant. And yeah, I must. I mean, I must say, you know the. The tennis parents community facebook group i find it really useful i I know i know lots and lots of people do but firstly i must hear about your role as a tennis parent as you know as i'm guessing that this is where the the passions come from can you take us through that journey
1: yeah of course yeah well so i started playing tennis myself in little over on the clay courts and we used to crash down to normanton park and jump on the grass courts and then I started playing a lot of badminton at the Carrington Club in Derby, which you may remember. Um, yep. And then I went off to Warwick University to learn to teach. And I did uh, Bunak and the summer camp. Um, I ended up as a tennis coach, it's the only time in my life I've ever been a tennis coach. I think that's the only part of tennis I haven't really focused on being a coach um, but I just love I just love all things tennis and, and I'm really interested in the scientific work as well the psychology stuff that people like Chris Harwood and Camilla Knight have done around tennis parenting but in terms of my own kids and um, so uh, really sort of just got into it when they're quite young really um, probably about seven five and three uh, so I've got girl boy girl And um, the eldest two just started after they've been playing on the beach. And we thought, actually, they've got quite good hang-eye coordination, you know. So we'll we'll sign them up to the local club and and do a bit of after-school club stuff. And, yeah, they they just showed a talent. And I think my son particularly, he just blended in with the older age group. He went into the same squads as my daughter. Um, And he was quite small. He grew quite late. Um, but, But people used to say, God, look at him. He's quite good. You know, he's quite good, isn't he? So being where we are, which is on the edge of Wiltshire, Somerset and Avon, uh, it wasn't long before we ended up at Team Bath. I mean, what a postcode privilege Team Bath is, I have to say. Um, Such experienced coaches, just amazingly blessed to have that on our doorstep. And uh, by the time Ross worked his way up into the academy, every squad was like a grade two. You know, we'd sort of rock up straight out of, class really and and just sort of drive down the road and you'd have families coming up from Cornwall you know one of his best mates was from Brighton they're coming in from Wales you know just so privileged to be so near a, a great facility.
0: Yeah and I guess I guess the point for tennis parents listening is you've done the hours you know what it's like to be taking the children to training. You know what it's like to be taking them to competitions, uh, starting locally, and I'm guessing moving regionally and even nationally and all these sorts of things. You you understand, and, and tennis parents know that it is a very unique thing to be a tennis parent at a competition, for example. But you've done the miles on that, yeah?
1: Yeah, definitely. And not just in tennis, actually, because at that stage, my kids were doing all sorts of sports, you know, and the girls were particularly interested in netball, Um, My youngest was a gymnast to quite a high level. She then went into trampolining and both my girls played as well. But they didn't have the same, um, I suppose there wasn't the pool of girls uh, back then in this area. And, you know, you often find that a good grade five player ends up thrown into a grade four where they're a bit out of the depth and then a good grade four player ends up in a grade three where they're always losing in the first round to these top superstars. So you know it's quite disheartening I think at that time particularly for girls in this area. We just didn't have the the volume. Um, and and they you know they also thought they wanted different things out of it as well. They weren't so into perhaps Probably my eldest was quite into competing, but my youngest wasn't at all. She didn't want to beat people. She didn't want to, she'd apologize if she hit a winner. And she <laughs> was the one that was actually t- uh, talent id out of all three of them. But she she just, and, and I'm really proud that, you know, they all in their own way still are involved in sports and involved. Um, uh, certainly Ross is still involved in tennis greatly as a tennis coach now and, and still a player really. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's tough as a parent, you're driving from one end of town to the other. And again, postcode privilege over team Bath because there's an awful lot under one roof there so my kids were playing netball there they were swimming there sometimes they were in the trampolining hall everything was on site so I got a bit lucky with that but nonetheless I'd sometimes would be up and down there four or five times a day
0: amazing now before we come on to your top tips and I can't wait to chat them through but please can you introduce the tennis parents community facebook group you know and what it is you're trying to achieve through it
1: yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I just found that tennis is such a different sport from other sports in terms of parental involvement. Um, you know, we go along to other sports um, and we get involved a little bit. But with tennis, um, we just seem to be almost in charge of our kids and, and their pathway. Um, none of my children were sort of grabbed at a really young age and put onto any kind of top level structure. That was always a bit of a mystery to us. But, you know, um if I say that we even went along to Wiltshire, local um, uh, stuff and, and were never particularly picked out, but um, because they were training in such a great place that they did all just progress. And and I learned so much because we had so many parents coming in and out of the building as well. And um, I, I think, you know, because I was also um, going across from the girls' circuit to the boys' circuit all the time, I was seeing so many different people. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I've always wanted to sort of, get my head around that and and I I sort of had a few a few ideas about how I could help parents but it's not until recently when the Facebook group phenomenon happened and then Simon Spalter had set up the volunteer uh, the tennis volunteer community Um, and and so Simon Simon and I set this up together Um, and, and the idea really is you know we don't want to I've never wanted to portray myself as an expert I mean everybody's different. everybody's journey in tennis is different, everybody's kids are different, everybody's family structure is different. but what I'm really interested in is hearing about other people's experiences and then trying to work out for myself how I can best support my own kids And I thought yeah, this is something that I think we can now easily do with Facebook. So so yeah, I set up the group along with Simon and and um and the, no experts. it's just it's just um trying to start conversations. to be honest, It grew very organically because I didn't really know what people would really want out of it. But as it's developed, I think I've realised that what they want is some conversation starters. And it's interesting in the joining questions we ask. You know, what's your reason for joining the group? And everybody says they want to share their experiences, but you really have to sort of get them feeling safe in the environment. And that's why we ask everybody that joins the group to comment as a parent. So we we, although we've got some coaches who obviously are parents too, like yourself, we've got some officials, we've got people at the LCA, but anyone who comments is asked to do so from their experience as a parent. And we don't mind opinions, you know. The opinion, throw the opinions out there into the group and let everybody see what your thinking is and then let people choose for themselves how best they can do the job.
0: Yeah, great work on getting it going. And uh, yeah, great to see it, it going for, from strength to strength. And um, so, yeah, but yeah, now without, without further ado, Kay, we must come on to your five top tips for tennis parents. In at number five, Kay, what's your first tip? Well, it's
1: been really hard for me to think about this because I try not to sort of um, uh, share my tips. I try to pull out other people's tips normally. Yeah. And you've had some great guests on already. So I'm, 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 I wanted to stay away from some of the, the tips that they've given. And they were all brilliant. And I, I love them all. But my first one is going to be don't be scared to let your child learn by failing. Mm.
0: I'm well,
1: still working up. on this as a, as a principal, even though they're now nicely in their 20s and um, you know as a, as a parent we always want to try and stop them from making mistakes don't we don't we because when they're little you know don't burn yourself don't run into the road don't go near the edge you're so petrified of, of protecting them um, in their world and and you know learning takes place when you fail you know (laughs) as long as you don't fail too dangerously and and isn't tennis a fantastic way to learn to sort of lose I mean you're losing points you're losing games you're losing sets you're losing matches even even in in the best year Djokovic ever had he was losing you know such a high percentage of everything and so failing's good um I just think it teaches children how to solve problems under pressure and and find solutions and learn from mistakes and you know don't don't steal that opportunity from your child.
0: I love this I love this and you know wouldn't it be nice if, if it was a fairy tale existence of a life where you never lost and everything always went your way but that is not life you know you come back to the point that Ronan Keating sang about that life is a roller coaster life is a roller coaster One of the absolute beauties of tennis is the fact that it's a microcosm of life and you can't win all the time. You can't win all the time at life. But what tennis teaches you is it's okay to lose. It's okay to fail, you know, because it's actually how you learn so that you can get back up and go again on that roller coaster of life, that roller coaster of tennis. And I actually think that like learning to fail, not being afraid of failure, actually is so liberating for yeah. for, for children that, 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 that they just gain massive life experiences through it and actually perform better in the tennis court, perform better away from the tennis court because they understand that at times they are going to fail.
1: And the anxiety is not there around that. I mean, we all want them to be stimulated. We don't, we don't want them to sort of go, oh, whatever, I'll give up at this point. But, you know, I think also um, keeping it real when they when they actually do come off court and, and you're having those conversations at some point. Um, I heard so many parents saying things like, well, you may have lost, but you were the better player. and 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 that's, you know, that's kind of, OK. I think what they meant by that was technically you're the better player, yeah. as in technique. But, you know, what about all the other parts of tennis? Let's keep it real. Let's, let's you know, so, and I, I, I won't um, talk any more down that because it's, it brings me on to another of my my points, actually. But if you, I don't know if you've ever seen Stan Marenka's tattoo, ever tried, ever failed, no matter, try again, fail again, fail better.
0: Love it. I didn't know that.
1: I yeah, right up that. his arm. It's fantastic. It's, it took me a while to work out what it meant. Fail better. Isn't that a weird thing to say? Fail better. <laughs> but it basically means, you know, you're always going to fail. So just keep improving. It's all about the growth mindset.
0: Wait, You know, I love that. I love the tattoo. It's come to, I mean, tangent. I love a tangent. But bizarrely, last night as I was going to bed, I was thinking about, if I ever got a tattoo, what would I get? And, and I thought... <laughs> I've just <laughs> solved like, your problem, Rob. <laughs> not, as, not as deep as Stan, but I thought like a dolphin. Yeah. And I thought like a dolphin because it seems so like free and fun loving and liberated. And maybe it's Stan's quote that leads you to being able to be a dolphin, to being able to be free, to like enjoy and, and those sorts of things. But that's brilliant, Kay. What a, what a fantastic opener. And I must have a look at Stan's tattoo.
1: <laughs> yeah. I can't remember who where he got it from. It's not his own original one, but I think it's fantastic
0: it sums up the life of a tennis player and and a benefit that people wouldn't necessarily think of when they're entering into the sport that the child can learn from, doesn't it? Come on, come on. So number four, Kay.
1: Uh, So this one, um, you know, took me a while to work out really, you know, um, I've summed it up as you're the most significant role model to your child. And I think that, you know, you really do have to consider the qualities, the behavior and the values that you'd like your child to have as an adult in tennis, but in life. Um, you know, it's really hard, but you have to think so carefully about how you behave and, and your body language and, and what you say. Um, it just just all seeps in there. You know, kids don't start listening the day they start talking. And it's the same with behavior. So if you, you know, if you want to get them to up to an age of fourteen when they're probably not going to be listening as much to you, um, they're going to be listening to other role models probably outside of the family, which is part of letting go, isn't it, and part of growing up. But you've done, you've got to get yep. the work in there early on and surround them by good role models. But understand that you are their best, the, the most significant
0: role model to your child. So so important, and even like. The way if you think to being at a tournament or being at training and you're on the sidelines and your your child is acutely aware of of your every of, of what you are doing. And it's not just the fact you know you may be completely silent, but if you're pulling faces or shaking your head or looking ex- exasperated when they've missed an easy ball, those sorts of things in a child can really affect their, their feeling about themselves of whether, you know, of, of their well-being, really. And yet so many times I think we do see parents who, and, and it's really difficult. You know, I when I go to a tournament, I try and be as kind of static as I can and, and I try and smile and, you know, I might clap both players Good shots, but I try and take the emotion out so that you know I'm not a factor in that manner. But it's really, really hard, isn't it?
1: Uh, absolutely. And you know, you hit on a really good point there because I, I'd also written down don't connect being good at tennis with getting a parent's approval or even love. And those tiny little twitches of oh, you know. Um, we were privileged enough to watch Andy Murray when he uh, won Wimbledon the first time. Uh, Ross and I was sitting there, and he ser- on the, on the final match point, he served um, into the net. Um, so he was on his second serve. And as he served into the net on that first serve, the entire crowd went, <gasps> yeah. and I thought, blimey, he's only missed his first serve. You know, I mean, it's not, it, it's okay. But, you know, if you if you sort of, the the amplification of that reaction that we experienced and the pressure that put on him, uh, I, can't, I can't, you know, it's, it, it the tiniest reaction court side, the kids notice. Think about what you're doing. That's all I'll say.
0: Think about what you're doing. Very good advice, Kay. In at number three, what have we got?
1: Um, well, this one's um, uh, sort of connected. I mean, it, it's about choosing the right time to talk to your child. Ooh, yeah. Somebody once said to me, never argue with a teenager. That was their top tip. They're a teacher. <laughs> never argue with a teenager. Just don't do it. Just listen and then discuss it later. It, it's not the right time. So, so is it the right time for them? Are they ready to listen they might not want your advice you know they might right there and then they don't necessarily want your advice they might want to process what's happened for themselves um they might be tired physically mentally tired and um, I'm, obviously i'm talking particularly here about when they've just come off court you yeah. know it, it, don't you don't have to be that person that, that when they come off court says oh how did that go what did you think about oh that backhand oh that one you missed whatever it is just just say do you want a drink? You know, yeah. <laughs> I just think the time to talk about those things is, is not then, I don't think. Right. Um, and then it's got to be the right time for you as well, because are you calm? You know, are you sure what you're saying is coming from a good place or is it an outpouring of your emotion? You know, are you trying to actually offload on the kid? Um, and, you know, I say these things we've all done it haven't we where we've just gone ah you know would you lose that oh no so close all that stuff because you're watching the tennis and and you care you know and I think um I think you've got to be really clear on the outcome you're looking for when you when you talk to your kids Um, and 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 make sure that the time the time is right to get that outcome
0: so such a good one and and you know we've moved one of the benefits of OK, is, it, is the benefits of tennis is that you learn so much about life. And I think for any of us who are listening with teenage parents, then surely we all nodded our heads when you just said never argue with a teenager. Um, you know, that's that's uh, that's not just on the tennis court, is it? Or just off the
1: Absolutely. that
0: is a life lesson unto itself. And maybe uh, maybe the tattoo I get will be <laughs> never argue with <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, but just wait, just wait till things are calmed down and then and then say to them, what do you think went on there then?
0: it's uh, And it's really okay. interesting. I think the, you know, the when you're coming off court and I agree, this is when your player is coming off court. And I'm thinking it's it's more often than not after they've lost, you know, and and a big part of, of tennis is losing, as we've touched on. Um, there can only be one winner at a tournament. And in the case of Wimbledon, that means there's a heck of a lot of losers during those couple of weeks. Um, and I think that you know, we'll all notice things and we'll all have feedback and 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 things that we could give. But when you've just been on that court, you know, you've you've taken place in what is almost a gladiatorial contest, even at the young tender ages that the players are getting involved in. If they have Not won the match. If they've lost that match, then they could be hurting. They could, you know, and and it's not that they won't get over it, they will, they absolutely will, and they'll learn to go again. And again, these resilience and persistence being the skills that come from being a tennis player. And there'll be a time to talk about the fact that maybe you had three match points and you double-faulted on each of them and Hmm, what would you would you do something differently next time? But the time is not when you've just double faulted three times on match points because you're like I know that I know you know I know how much this hurts. Why are you talking to me about this now? You know, and, and it's that kind of like it's like hold your tongue. You know, the the children they they know they know if they've you know they know things that have happened in that match. And actually just having a period where the, the children get a chance just to process that themselves, because it takes a bit of time to to then go again. And yet, so often, don't you, at tournaments, you will see players come off and you'll, like you you've you mentioned, you'll say, why do you do that? Just, just let them be a bit and let them, you know, have a bit of time to themselves. And then hopefully they'll go again. And, and one of the things I really think, actually, and this is like something that I've noticed, is that the period of of being able to go again, of, of, of kind of processing it, is shorter if a player has friends at the tournament. If, oh,
1: cool. Yeah, that is so true. Rob. You know, the yeah. community there supporting yeah. supporting each other because they all know what it's like.
0: Yeah, they, they know, know what, what it's like. like. I yeah. talked about this with Thadea um, Locke, who's the, the UK's number one pickleball player recently, and, and we said that, Juniors growing up together have an unbreakable bond, and it's because of what they've been through as tennis players at tournaments that you know they've, they've competed against each other, but they've brought these incredible friendships that, that, that develop um, through these experiences as, as tennis players. And, and I just think that I've seen where we've had players who have come off and they've lost really tight matches, or they've this, that, or the other has not gone right for them but if they've got the mates there you know they bounce their bounce back ability is a lot quicker than if if not and and i think that's why it's lovely you know when you do it's what makes a, a closed you know a, a first the Derbyshire championships is there's, there's so many of your community there and and sometimes i think that if you can get a number of players who who are mates with there it makes such a difference
1: i th- i think you, i think you're right and and i think this is this is probably um, why I'd also suggest you don't necessarily drive away straight after a child's lost in a tournament. Yeah. You know, it, you know, if they get off court and they go, Can we just go? You know, then then fair enough. But but you know, if you hang around a bit longer, and actually my kids were sometimes all three playing in a tournament, so they sometimes didn't have a choice. So even though they'd lost a horrendous match, they'd be coming back tomorrow to sit and watch the sister, you know. So you know just being being there and and seeing it in perspective and and ross once famously came off a court having lost a very close tie break when there was lots of let's say uh uh what should how should we term it rob um some questionable um um uh, let, yeah. let, let's go the other way let's say um there was some um uh accidental mistakes on line calls
0: yeah we all you know, and, and, and
1: people were buzzing about it and the parents were buzzing about it and he he'd lost and he came off court and I was like, oh, what are we going to get? You know, he's quite young. And he said to me, can I have 50p, Mum? And I said, oh, yeah. What, what are you doing? And he said, oh, m- me and his opponent, we're going to play pool. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I was like, OK. <laughs> you know, I was expecting this. Oh, you know, but he didn't He didn't care. He didn't care. So maybe he was a bit more mature than than me about it. But I, at least I gave him that space and didn't hit him with something the minute he'd walked off the court.
0: And Ross, I mean, what testament to the young man at that point in his career that he could come off and be so resilient that he could do that. And he knows, he knows what's happened. And, and he can do it, that's that's just wonderful. I absolutely love that.
1: Just to go back on, I think um, my kids did benefit from not being told they were amazing. They were in a pool of amazing kids. So, um, you know, they, they, they were they were great players and they probably didn't realize how good they were. You know, even my eldest, if you'd gone into any school in Wiltshire, I used to say to her, if you knock on the door of any school in Wiltshire, you won't find anyone who can beat you at tennis, except the two girls you already know who were born in your year. You know, yeah. But they don't realise that because they're sitting in a pool of much better players. So I don't think they ever had the target on their back. And I, I think they just, they, they were kind of always had this lovely position of being the underdog. Um,
0: there was research done, 2004, I think it was, research done of the top players, juniors. And uh, I'm going on recollection now. But of the players that were like the best, the absolute best at the ages of 10 to 12, the research tracked them through to whether they became professionals. And often it wasn't the children who were best at 10 to 12 that actually made it all the way through. It's the ones who who didn't overplay, who didn't have all the expectation thrust upon them that very nice and quietly accelerated their journey. And up, up and away, they took off and, and, and launched into tennis cyberspace in terms of achievement. So I think it's a, an interesting one that, you know, I know it's another tangent, but it isn't always the ones who are the superstars at 10 to 12 who stay in our game, let alone really, really. I was
1: was going to say exactly that. It's not even, it's not even necessarily being a pro it's staying in the sport and it's, it's a lifelong sport. There's, you know, yeah. there's so many benefits to playing tennis throughout your life. And even if you take a break after you've been on the junior circuit, how many, you know, we've seen people come back into tennis. I see it in my local club all the time. People getting in touch in their 20s. Oh, I used to play a lot and play for a while and I want to come back and actually enjoy the sport now. But, you know, like you said, we, we, we turned up a grade three with Ross when he was under 10. And we were shocked at how professional all the other players were. You know, it was like, geez, you know, look at the size of that racket bag. And, you know, guess what? Roll on four years, he'd beaten them all. He'd yeah. beaten them all. And, and I'd say probably 50% of them have given up tennis.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a massive thing is parents, do what you can to keep your children loving the sport. More than anything, more than anything. You know, if 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 they're not enjoying it, they ain't going to keep doing it you
1: look and, and I know there's a there's a there's a group of parents probably listening or say yeah 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 all right but we're talking you know winning's tough well you know you have to be focused on winning. you need you need that emotion you need that um you need that that pressure almost to win but I actually think it's 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 more sustainable it's winning in a more sustainable way if you take this growth mindset and you, re, you re-look, I know people have said this before on the podcast, but you re-look at the measures you're using. So how are you going to compare um, a, a child who, who, you know, like Ross, grows really late but ends up being taller than most of the others in the end you know but how are you going to compare them at the age of eight or 10 or 12 or even 14 you know these kids are going to grow much later the development's going to be much much more different and I have to say it saved us probably a lot of money when he was younger because he didn't bother traveling abroad because he could get beaten at home you know <laughs> <laughs> but you know you go up an age group you you know you, you, you try to do it you know however you can afford to do it And, you know, he still ended up in a division one US university with a scholarship
0: what a journey. What a journey. Right. I do you know we're chatting so much about that. And I hope everyone's, I mean, I'm sure people will be finding this stuff interesting, but I've even forgotten what number on we're on, but I think we're on to number two. I think, are we
1: Kay? I think, I think we are. Yeah. Cause I, my, mine are not really ordered in any kind of, we're not getting, we're not getting to the, to the sort of the most, most incredible one at the end, but, but hopefully people will stay listening to get that far. So the next one is, um, Teach your child to respect and thank their opponent. Your, your opponent has taught you so much by playing against you. And, and without them, you wouldn't learn and progress. Um, so it's not all about you. This is what kids come off, I this, I that, I do. How did I lose to him? I don't, I, you know, um, all these excuses. And, and actually you have to respect what their weapons were and, and you have to learn how to discover their weaknesses in order to progress. So if if you just wanted to win all the time, you'd play people who were worse than you all the time, wouldn't you? That'd be that'd be the obvious thing to do. So so and and I'd take that another step and say to parents, don't make the other children's parents your competitors. Mm. Make them your community, and this is where the parenting group comes in because it's hard when somebody's got a kid exactly the same age as your kid and you're you're vying for the same spot on a team. Um, or, or county or whatever it is or even the, the the attention of the coach in that facility or whatever it is the fu- the funding maybe it's hard to really buddy up with that parent in an open and honest way and that's why the parent group is there to help people buddy up with people across the different sexes as in you know the sort of the uh, girls circuit and the boys circuit, you know, you can, you can talk openly to each other because you're not going to be competing directly. And you can, you can open up to people who've perhaps further on the pathway of supporting their kids or perhaps people who are just starting out. Yeah. So, so, you know, d- don't make other parents, your competitors and and keep that post-match analysis
0: real. Yeah. Don't make other parents, your competitors is a fascinating one. And it's one that, that I don't think we have discussed at all I mean you know clearly if a player is going to respect the other player that's great life lesson but it's also going to be led by the example of the parent if the parent isn't respecting the other parent then how can coming back to an earlier one how can you expect the player to respect the player and you know I I was chatting to a, a good friend of mine who I played junior county cup with actually yesterday about this and we said He's a tennis coach. And we said, if you can realise early on that the chances of your player becoming a professional, let alone a Wimbledon champion, are minuscule. And that statistically is the case. It is minuscule. But what you're getting involved in is these incredible journeys and life lessons, the chance to go to America, whatever it might be, these amazing journeys. But if you realise up front now... The chances of your player becoming a and professional are minuscule. Why would you ever fall out, envy, disrespect another tennis parent? Because they're in it in the same way. They are part of the same community. And one of the incredible benefits you get from being from tennis is the life lessons, is the relationships you develop. It is the for the player. It's the relationships you develop. And for the parents, it can be the relationships you develop because you're going through similar things. You're going through similar emotions, similar pressures, and and you can share that, you know. And I know my mum, like, I was not a good young tennis player attitude-wise, you know. I'm sure many people would testify this. But I know <laughs> that, like, my mum gained – hello, mum. I know you gained a lot of strength by sitting, watching, like, with – a flask and you got very friendly with other tennis parents and maybe you'd even have a little drama of something once in a while and you know I know now that I'm a tennis parent you know I, I can get amazing relationships with the tennis parents these are not these are not the rivals and and tournaments would be a heck of a lot more healthy as an environment if parents could feel part of a community rather than competitive to each other.
1: I totally agree. I mean, you know, we're moving on to my final one here, Rob. So I've got to be careful Obviously. what I say. But I, I you know, it, it, there's an overlap there. Um, but you know, I think you, you know you, you need to you need to make sure that um, your children feel like they're entering a, a friendly environment when they turn up at a tennis tournament, not that um, everyone's hanging over a balcony to hope they fail. You know,
0: in at number one. It sounds like we're very close territory-wise to it anyway.
1: Yeah no we are we're knocking on the door. So um my final one and anybody who volunteers with me in tennis because I'm actually the workforce lead for Avon and I also support a club in in um, in Wiltshire that I'm a member of and and do all of their marketing and social media for them. So yeah be a member of uh, of the tennis community don't be a customer. Don't be a customer. I know that coaches charge you money as a parent and you expect you know that to be a service but partner up with the coach have a shared shared, um, understanding of of how that relationship works. Join the tennis community. You'll get loads out of it. And you you may not realize, but there's loads of volunteers in tennis. They're they're all over county, pretty much is all volunteer run. Um, They may have some paid staff in their admin or in their coaching, but they're they're pretty much uh, counties are full of volunteers. Even within the LTA um, itself, the councillors are sent up from county get get to understand that, and and also at competitions. I don't think anyone goes to be. Um, a referee to make to make their fortune you know it's long hours it's hard work and uh, and and you need to be on side with them um maybe maybe you could become one of them when you're not charging up and down the country taking your own kids to stuff maybe when your child gives up tennis it is something you'd like to give back to the sport you know even just training to be an official now while you're a parent is beneficial and um, it helps you to empathize with them and, and you know it, it helped help the club Help the coach. Help the other players. Help the parents. Buddy up. You'll get it back in spades because then you'll get all the sleepovers. You'll get the shared traveling. You know, you'll you'll get to see tennis from the inside out. And and uh, I think that's that's the commitment you could make rather than being a customer sitting on the outside criticizing and and uh, expecting something for your money.
0: Love this. It's um, it's again, it's not. It's a it's a really new angle, Kate. Um, but be a member of the community because the members of the community are, are, you know, ultimately, you know, another way of saying it would be the volunteers, wouldn't it? Who give so much to our sport without those, those members of the community, the volunteers giving it, our sport doesn't exist in the way that it does. And, you know, for, for anyone out there who is, who is passionate about County tennis in any way and, this was the chat I was having yesterday with this tennis coach friend of mine. It's, it's, it's what drives me as much as anything in this world is what County tennis has given to me. You know, it's given me my friends. It's given me my identity. I've met my wife through it. I see the children enjoying it. I'm part of that community. And for years I volunteered to the point where I become chair of Derbyshire tennis association. Yet these, these roles if people don't get involved, so to your point, that it's a wonderful thing to get involved. But if people don't get involved, these things will start to collapse. These institutions that have given so much to so many people over so many years, they won't keep going. You know, so our county associations being run by volunteers. Um, you know, if you're if you're a parent listening, then why not find out if you can get involved with them in some way, because. Things like county training, things like um, tournaments, things like socials. You know, these are things like award ceremonies. These are run by volunteers. And if you can become a member of that community, you can get so much back from the hours that you that you give. And and also it can give wonderful things to your your players, your children. So I think that's a lovely, lovely one. It's really got me thinking. It's really got me um just about the value of the volunteer within the, the tennis community.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I mean, it does come back to role modeling the behavior you want to see in, in your kids. You know, there's the, the LTA are crying out for young volunteers and, you know, getting to be tennis leaders, for example, but that's an amazing program. It's been revamped and it, and even doing the level one, you know, getting involved in the community. And I, I think um, they'll get so much out of that and possibly, you know, remember as well that, um, Ross now is a tennis coach Um, he's just started an, an, a position at Bristol university and he's bumping into all the people that he knew not only growing up, but the, as coaches, but, but who were players alongside him. And, yeah. and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of bumping into people through um through, through the work I do volunteering that I knew when when my kids were little and they were either coaches at clubs nearby. Or, and you know, you start to see things. I remember standing on the balcony once at Bath University and a parent said to me, my son's been asked to play for county. Well, if they want him, they're gonna to have to send a taxi. I just thought, whoa! (laughs) That, but but you see, I don't really blame the parents in that situation because I think we're really bad um, at explaining and educating people as to how the infrastructure of tennis works. And once people understand that, and they understand, and this is why tennis opened up, and what Simon's been doing with the volunteer community in tennis, and really connecting all the volunteers around the country uh, to share best practice and talk about what they get up to, and the LTA are really opening up and listening to that and starting to explain back how they work as a structure where the funding comes from where it goes to and why and and i think when you when you have that communication and that understanding of the infrastructure of tennis you see where you fit in the ecosystem and where your child or player sits in the ecosystem then you've got a lot more respect for it and i think it's more
0: enjoyable i think it's really it's another really interesting point. And, you know, I talked about how parents can get involved, but you're absolutely right. The players can get involved. And for the, I, I you know, I, I know I'm going to lax, like gush about this now, but Stanley, who's you know, he helped me as a volunteer at the tennis club for the first day yesterday. And Phoebe helped me at the club yesterday, who's our daughter. And it was wonderful to, to see them kind of getting involved in that more helping out at a club. As a you know, as a volunteer. Well, then they're, um,
1: they're now being role models to the next generation, aren't they?
0: This is yeah. it. And, and then the other thing to bear in mind, tennis parents out there, is that when you get to 16, you can do your level one. And you know, the, the players who have who are you know, if you've competed, then you, you will, you know, you'll pass your level one if you if you go after it and with the determination you have with your tennis. So at that point you can start earning money, you know. And say you're earning around here nine, 10 pounds an hour as a level one. Well When I was 16, I was washing pots in a kitchen And it was not the easiest of job. I was putting holes in pork pies. It was not the easiest of jobs. Like coaching tennis at the age of 16. Wow, you know, you can really open up another world and and it can open up incredible journeys in its own right that, you know, obviously like, like Ross is doing now. So, you know, don't just think about tennis as what it can give to you as a potential professional player. Think about it in such a wider way, including the fact it can... It can get you some money somewhere down the line.
1: No, definitely don't don't ever fall out with anyone in tennis because it's a very small community, and you don't realize that when you start out on the journey. You know, these people have a habit of popping up, and you think, "Oh dear, oh dear, I had a big argument with them on court side about whatever it was when my kid was six, and oh dear, can we can get beyond it?" Um, you know, because they they pop up. It's not a large community, and if you're going to stay in the sport, or if your child's going to stay in the sport, you know. Then they're going to bump into each other again and again.
0: <laughs> and this comes down to my one tip for the day. Tennis parents, my one tip for the day, and it's my tip for just be nice, just just try <laughs> and get on with people. Just you know, think about it, and just just. I be think nice. you need a
1: T-shirt for that, Rob. Yeah, be yeah, nice. Bro, um, Wear it for every tournament.
0: So, okay. I mean, it's been amazing to hear your 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 top five tips. It's been amazing to have the conversations that go that go alongside it i i could talk all day about it i really could but but we must come on to our final question it's it's the one that we we ask everybody and um it is if you could go for a drink with anyone alive or dead who would it be and why
1: okay so i my knee-jerk reaction is roger federer because Every tennis player, I'm sorry, but if you play tennis, you've got to respect Roger Federer. I mean, he's just, he's just, he, it just flows out of the guy, you know? And, and, but, but actually having thought about it, I thought I don't really want to have a drink with him. I'd, I'd actually like to play tennis with him, but, you know, I think actually I'm going to go with his wife, Mirka Federer, because I'd love to know her, about her experience in tennis, her own personal experience, because she was a player, a good player. And, but I'd love to know about supporting Roger and, and those four kids. I mean, and I mean, I know she's not been doing it alone. I know she's had a bit of help and, and, you know, the private jets and the yachts and whatever, but I bet she's got some great insights to share. So I think I'd like to have a drink with Mirka.
0: I would, what a fascinating answer. I mean, you know, from our conversation, when, when you, when, when the cameras pan to the support community, You know, when they pan to Judy Murray, and now as tennis parents, we know on a micro level what Judy's going through on a macro level because with the stage and the, you know, the crowd and the the pressure and the spotlight. But Mirka-wise, she is that one that they pan to for Roger, isn't it? And yet she is. So I would love to hear her experiences of being um, the partner, you know, this number one supporter of roger and and what that's like but also now i would like you know as she's she is a tennis parent of course herself now um wouldn't that be fascinating and i don't i mean i don't know i've not really seen many interviews i think you'd get oh what a chat that would be yeah
1: i think also because you know i always think of, of of the four different aspects of learning to play tennis the technical which is obviously you know you need a tennis coach for that don't you uh the physical well tennis coach stroke strength and conditioning coach and then the tactical um you know that's coming down to the the parent a little bit and the player and the and the coach isn't it all together working on that tactic how are we going to beat this person you know what what's what but the mental side of tennis well, that's your support network, isn't it? That's that's yeah, you know, I like to think of a coach or or a professional psychologist, you know. But I think Merker is probably yeah. a great contributor to the mental side of Roger's game.
0: Yeah, because if you feel good about anything, if you're feeling good, you're likely to perform better, aren't you? You know, if you if you're feeling sad, angry, upset, you're not likely to play that well so there's no doubt about it I, I feel sure her role's been massive and it would be fascinating to hear all about it wouldn't it hey eh? i know you're making lots of things happen in the tennis world okay so if you get to uh get that drink sorted with merca please do want to come want to come <laughs> i'm there I'm there. okay well it's been brilliant to chat i mean a massive thanks for for everything you've done with the um you know the tennis parents community as well um We'll make sure we put the links up there for anyone who's uh, who's listening. Please do do join um, and uh, and get involved in that tennis parents community. And, and I hope you've you've found the you know the chat today useful.
1: No, thanks for letting me let, let me talk to you, Rob. It's been brilliant. I really enjoy talking this these things through. As anyone who knows me, I love to talk and I love to talk tennis.
0: Come on. Well, we, I know we could go on about Derbyshire tennis for ages and the Carrington Club for ages, but we can't do that here, can we? Another time over a nice cup of tea a glass of wine and a beer i think (laughs) sounds good thank you very much Kay.
1: all right cheers rob
0: that's all for today but thank you very much for listening and if you enjoyed that please do hit the subscribe or follow button so you keep up to date with new episodes and we look forward to welcoming you back to my tennis journey very soon